So today is uh, Pentecost Sunday, and uh, this is the day that the church all across this world, all over the world, the, the body of Christ today is celebrating the birth of the church, the, 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 the birth of the Christian movement. Now, if we think about it, if we look back, you know, to Acts chapter 2, and, and just think about what it was like for the disciples in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just, just in that time period, they went through a lot from Good Friday, from Easter, from, from Good Friday till Pentecost. There was a lot that took place in that first, first century uh, among the first followers of Jesus. They experienced, they witnessed Jesus being crucified. I mean, tortured. Their rabbi, their, their leader was executed. Could you imagine the sorrow that they felt. Then three days later, just three days later, they, hear, they, they, they begin to hear the news that the tomb, the stone was rolled away and that the tomb is empty. Jesus rose from the dead. Could you imagine that they were in deep mourning and all of a sudden, Jesus is alive? And then he appears to them. He appears to the disciples. And, and I love how I love how the Bible talks about that. How Jesus, he kind of just shows up and he's like, I'm hungry, guys. Let's eat some fish. And it's like, really? Jesus, you rose from the dead? And he's like, let's fry up some fish and eat. You know, I love that. You know, that's what I love. You know, eating is sacred when we have meals together. And that's so powerful. And so Jesus is with his disciples for a little bit. And, and again, what a, a reversal of emotions from great despair to great hope. And then after some time, Jesus, after Jesus spends some time with his disciples, he's taken up into heaven. And we read about that in the book of Acts as well, how Jesus was, he ascended into heaven. And then the disciples, they witnessed this. And that's when we come to Acts chapter 2. And this is what it says in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 to 4. I'm just going to read verse 1 to 4. And when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then after the rest of chapter 2 in the book of Acts is Peter having to explain what's going on, right? Because God is definitely moving here. Things are happening and there's some explanation to do. And so that's the rest of the chapter. Um, but I just want to look back on Acts chapter 1. Uh, uh, sorry, Acts chapter 2 verse 1. This is a key, such a key point. It, 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 it is key for us today. It's key for us like today at prayer in the park as well. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. This is what it says. On the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place. They being the followers of Jesus. They were all together in one place. Now, in Acts chapter 2, verse 5, it talks about who they were. Okay? It says, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Okay? There was a lot of different cultures and people groups present in Acts chapter 2. A lot of different people. 
Can I just say this? This is a detail that we overlook, I think, when we read the book of Acts. I, I mean, I do that. I, I get to the, 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 the bang part. The Holy Spirit fell. Boom. I get to that part. But the key, key is this, that they were all together, people from every nation under heaven, different cultures, were all together in one place. Do you know how difficult it is to get people from different backgrounds together in one place? People from different cultures, different languages, different denominations. To get different denominations together, it's so difficult. Theological convictions, whatever. To get them all together in one place. Listen, sometimes for us to be able to even do that, it takes a miracle of God for the body of Christ, the church, to come together in one place. It takes a miracle. Now, I remember when I was at the University of Waterloo, I was in uh, different Christian fellowship groups. There was a bunch. Um, I w- I'm Korean, right? So there's Korean Christian fellowship. There was the Chinese Christian fellowship, Mandarin, Cantonese, and there were other ones. Um, many different fellowships, okay? I was also a part of Campus Crusade for Christ. Uh, it's now called Power to Change. Um, and so there was many fellowship groups, and there was just a few of us from different groups we came together and prayed once in a while, and we're like, you know what? Let's pray for revival on UW campus. Like, we need to see God move on our campus. And so we formed a group called Interpray. And it was uh, basically a prayer group, a prayer meeting that we would have uh, once a week for the different fellowship groups to come together as one. And we talked to the different leaders of the different fellowship groups. Let me tell you something none of them came. None of them came. And I was shocked. I was a baby Christian too, just brand new Christian. I was like, hey, yeah, it's no problem. Let's get people together. No problem. Just tell them and they'll come, right? No, I was shocked. It was not easy. In fact, one person said to me, he said, you know, James, we don't need to come together and and have unity. We already have unity in Christ. And I remember looking at him going, bling, 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 bling. Like, what did I just hear? Did I actually hear those words? What are you talking about? Like, I couldn't even respond to that. I was like, that is so backwards. No, we don't already have unity. That is why Jesus prayed for unity. John chapter 17, verse 11, Jesus, this is what he said. He's praying to the Father, okay? And he says, and I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world, his disciples. They're in the world. I'm coming to you, Holy Father. Keep them in your name which you have given me, that they may be one as we are one. Jesus mentions this more than once in that prayer, in his prayer. Okay? Why? Because it's difficult for God's people from different backgrounds, different theological leanings to come together as one. Jesus prayed for oneness because it's not easy for oneness to happen in the body of Christ. But, but, when God is about to do something extraordinary, when God is about to do something powerful, the Spirit of God comes upon his people and they come together as one, just like in Acts chapter 2. Devout people, devout men from every nation under heaven 
were together in one place. And then it says, suddenly. I love that. I love that. They were together in one place. Suddenly, God did something. They heard a sound of a mighty rushing wind. The power of God came down. The Holy Spirit came down. The kingdom of God began to manifest all over the place. Thousands came to the Lord. Thousands came to Jesus Christ. People were healed. People were were delivered. People were set free. And it started when the people gathered together in one place, in unity. They sought the Lord and God acted. Isn't that amazing? Now fast forward from Acts chapter 2 to 1983. That's a big fast forward. 1983, okay? Some of you may remember the March for Jesus movement. How many of you remember March for Jesus? Okay. You know what? I never knew about March for Jesus until we started planning for prayer in the park. Okay. I, we were gathering and there were some you know, uh, church leaders from different churches that came to our early uh, meetings for prayer in the park. And one of the, one of the guys said, hey, this is kind of like March for Jesus. And I was like, what's that? And he was like, oh, March for Jesus was this global phenomenon where Christians from different backgrounds, different denominations and and whatnot would come together for one cause. And I was like, really? Cool. So I looked it up and I was like, wow, I was amazed. It started in Australia in 1983. Three years later, it it moved to, uh, like, it began to happen in London, all across the UK, and it spread throughout Europe, and eventually it came to North America. By 1994, it was called the Global March for Jesus, and it reached every time zone on earth. Every single time zone had a March for Jesus going on. 10 million Christians, over 10 million Christians participated in March for Jesus, and 170 nations represented. I mean, that is so powerful. Here's a picture of uh, March for Jesus in Sao Paulo, Brazil, with over 1 million people coming together in attendance for Jesus. Isn't that amazing? I mean, you know how hard it is to get people together like this? But it happened. God did it. God called his people together. And when that happens, something spectacular happens. The vision for March of Jesus was a call to the church to go beyond its walls. Let's go outside of our walls. Let's gather together. Let's worship together. Let's have unity. Let's pray together in every place. That's the vision for March for Jesus. And since the March for Jesus movement started in 1983, there have been numerous revivals all across the world. I mean, many of us know of the Jesus People movement. Well, it started earlier in the, in the 60s and 70s, but it really took off in the 80s with the Vineyard Movement. It just exploded onto the scene. And many people were experiencing the power of God through healing, through, through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the Vineyard Movement. Um, there were re- revivals that took, took place in, in Africa, in Asia, parts of China. The underground church movement exploded in the 80s. In 1988, there was even a revival in Cuba. There was a powerful move of the Spirit in Cuba where just in a small church, the Holy Spirit fell and people began to weep and repent and get right with God. It was powerful in, in Cuba in 1988. Then in 1994, when the global march for Jesus happened, 
1994 is when Toronto happened, when the Holy Spirit dropped on Toronto and the Toronto blessing took place and it has literally touched the entire world with the message of the Father's love. Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida, 1995. That was a huge, huge move of God. Millions of people flew all, from all over the world to go to Pensacola, Florida for, for, a, mighty, for a touch of God. And, and it was powerful, powerful what God was doing. I believe the catalyst for all these revivals was God, God's people coming together, praying in unity for God to move. I believe that's what started it. And let me tell you something. It's happening again now. It's happening again today. You know, when we started dreaming about prayer in the park, I mean, Andy came to me and he's like, hey, James, I've got this idea. And he was sharing me his vision after he read the book, A Year of Living Prayerfully. And in that book, uh, Jared Brock, the author, we had him here at Trinity, he spoke here. He, he talked about how, you know, every major revival that happened, there was prayer that took place before that. And then God moved in answer to prayer. And Andy was looking at um, a passage uh, in the Old Testament on, on Hezek- King Hezekiah, and he just came up with this. God just began to speak to him about this idea of having a prayer in the park. And you know what? I'll be honest. When I first heard that, I was like, that sounds impossible, but that's why God's going to make it happen. And I was like, that sounds hard, very difficult. But Andy, let's do it. Let's do it. You know, when we take a step, you know how they spell, you know how you spell faith? R-I-S-K. That's how you spell faith. You got to take a risk. You got to take that leap. You got to take that step of faith, you know. And that, what a powerful, you know, testimony of faith uh, about today, you know, f- again, forecast, 100% rain. Um, the planning people from the city are saying, hey, you got to have a backup plan. Andy was like, no. <laughs> God's going to do this. And he did. This is amazing, right? It's unbelievable. God's hand is upon not just this event, but his hand is on this city. His hand is on this time right now. We are in an incredible time in the history of the church. God is going to do something spectacular. And let me tell you something. There is favor from God Upon prayer in the park, unbelievable how many different cultures, churches, denominations are coming together. Mainline, charismatic, non-charismatic. I mean, they're all coming together and saying, we need to do this. There's churches that, I, I had a pastor talk to me today. He's like, we're canceling our service. We're moving it so that everyone could be at prayer in the park. There was another pastor, they, they meet they meet at a community center, and they're like, we're going to have our church service in the evening instead of the morning so that we can all go to prayer in the park, and then we'll have service in the evening. I'm like, wow, unbelievable, you know, unbelievable. God's people, God's speaking to God's people right now for this time because God's going to do something amazing. We're going to see revival. We're going to see a mighty move of his spirit. We're going to see people coming to the Lord. We're going to see the church, the walls are going to come down. People are going to come in and experience freedom. They're going to experience the greatest love they have ever experienced. People are searching for love 
and they're going to find it in God, who is love. We're going to see a mighty move of his spirit. Chronicles, 2 Chronicles 7.14 says this, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and heal their land. Join me, church, as I pray. You are God in heaven. You are our Father. And we come before you today. Oh God, we come before you today. It is Pentecost Sunday, 2017. I believe this will be a day marked in history of the body of Christ in this region. We are here today to remember that, Lord, you are God that you are faithful, that you are the one that our eyes turn to. You are the one that we trust in. Lord, we are here to remember that you have a plan. God, you have a plan to restore all things. You have a plan to make all things new. God, you have a plan to call us back into relationship and fellowship with you. God, we acknowledge that you are sovereign and that you have a timing for all things, that you have a timing for all the amazing things that you're going to do on this earth. You have a timing for when you will pour out your spirit in a tangible way to bring those who are far from you close to you, to reignite passion for you, Jesus, in the church, to bring the church back into alignment with you and to call your people to seek you and pray to you in unity with oneness for your kingdom to come, your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. You are sovereign and you have a timing for it all. And Lord, we believe that that timing is right now. Lord, we come to you now as one church out of many in this region to ask you to come in a mighty way in this city. Come and restore us. Come and renew us, Lord. Come and revive us. Come and cleanse us, purify us, refine us. Come and make us even more into the image of your son, Jesus. We bid you come. Lord Jesus, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. God, we ask that you send a spirit of repentance and a desire for holiness across the churches of our region. We ask that you would break our hearts for the things that break your heart, Lord. God, we ask that our hearts and our minds would be consecrated to you and you alone. We ask that you would cause a stirring and a yearning in our hearts for your kingdom first above all things, above all earthly pursuits, that we would pursue you and we would pursue your kingdom first. God, we ask that you would break the fear of man in the church and increase the fear of the Lord. God, we ask that you would anoint your church to do the kinds of things that we read of in the book of Acts. We ask that you anoint your people to usher in the kingdom of heaven in every sphere of our society. God, we ask that you would raise up a prophetic generation that will seek your heart and then reveal your heart to everyone around us. Call your people back to their first love. Lord, we need revival. Lord, we need a great awakening. Lord, we need 
you to move. Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day. In our time, make them known. You're going to do it, God. It is an honor to partner with you to be a part of the greatest revival this world has ever known that will continue until we see you face to face. Come, Lord Jesus, come. It's a broken world, a lot of broken people, but your plan is to restore. Use us to bring restoration and reconciliation to you. We love you. We're here for you. Our eyes are on you. In the powerful, strong, and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord, our Savior, our greatest treasure, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.